With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Beasley switching in! The U.S. go up! What a goal from Carlos Bocanegra! Going to try a long hit! What a goal from Lloyd! This is spectacular! It's hit with no regard for humanity. Is this the moment for Shakiri? Yes, it is! Switzerland and Shakiri have scored in the 90th minute. That was worth the price of admission alone. This is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlaw.com. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Glenn Davis. Concede twice to Romania, so a lot of Euro qualifiers going on. Welcome to Soccer Matters. Uh, the Horn in Austin, Texas, as always. We are presented by the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com. 512 call now. They're bilingual. Hey, we got a lot to unpack tonight, uh, including the topic of the U.S. Men's National Team Nations League win over Canada and Mexico. They are the champions. Uh, big day. A lot to learn uh, from these two matches. Uh, we'll talk some Austin FC tonight. Katie Goodman, who's an analyst for San Antonio FC, does uh, NWSL, former college player. She'll join us for a segment tonight here as well. And uh, we remind you to call into the show tonight. <clears throat> Lines are open. Tire night. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. We've got Jack Farrell behind the glass here tonight. And uh, the U.S. with a 2-0 uh, victory over Canada. And, of course, that made them the Nations League champions at, after a semifinal 3-0 win over Mexico. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But let's, let's first just uh, listen back to the first goal. Uh, Chris Richards would get the U.S. on the board in this one. Second U.S. corner. Reina up into the edge of the six, and it's Chris Richards with the opener. He's been beaming with confidence. So let me tell you a little bit about Chris Richards. Amazing story that I don't think a lot of people know. I do know some people know it. So Richards was playing in Alabama. He was identified by Eric Quill. Eric Quill is a former Major League Soccer player. He coached uh, North Texas, the second team of FC Dallas. Uh, he's a Houston area guy, grew up on the fields here, played briefly at Clemson, and then was with Kansas City and MLS amongst uh, some other teams. Excellent coach. Identified Richards in Alabama, brought Richards to the youth club, the Texan Soccer Club in Houston. He said to me, he goes, yeah, I got to move this kid on. I, I, I can't keep him here. So then he pushed him to FC Dallas because FC Dallas at the time and, and still in the state of Texas has the best player development system, apparently. They've moved more people through to the pros. The next thing you know, he's at Bayern Munich. 
Yeah, he's playing a lot of games with their second team, and he's now at Crystal Palace, played a bit at Hoffenheim, and he looks very solid. Great positionally in this game. He was a danger off set pieces all night long against Canada. That would ultimately be the game-winning goal. Fowler and Balligan, everybody's excited about him. He's barely been around these guys. It's only his second game. Showed a lot of great glimpses against Mexico. Well, guess what? He got his goal after a beautifully weighted pass from Gio Reyna. Here's what it sounded like. This made it 2-0 United States. Here's Reyna. Driving into space of Balligan on his right! On a night of firsts! Fuller and Balligan has his first international goal for the U.S. Christian Pulisic was named the player of the tournament. Um, absolutely destroyed Mexico. We'll get into that and everything going on with Mexico. By the way, they lost their head coach. He's been fired, Diego Coca. So uh, the clown show continues with the Mexican Federation. So here's uh, Christian Pulisic post-match. Uh, great tournament for him. Had a really rough up-and-down year at Chelsea. Injuries, differing coaches. And to see him in these two games really accept the role of the leader of this team, carry this team in a lot of ways, and do it through effort uh, both against Mexico and Canada. Here's Christian Pulisic post-match after the Canada win. How does it feel? What's going through your head? It feels great. Obviously a great performance against Mexico, and then coming in against the, a really strong Canada side, I have to give them a lot of credit for how they, they fought today. And to come out on top again, uh, it's going to feel nice to lift that trophy. Listen, we got the result tonight, and we put in a really uh, top performance once again. We fought, we battled, but uh, like I said, we have to give them credit as well. They, they put on a hell of a performance. I mean, I think it's just another step in the right direction. Uh, it's just going to be about these knockout games, you know, coming those big tournaments, Copa America, World Cup. It's, you know, when times get tough, we got to step up and, and uh, score the goals when it counts and uh, keep them out of our goal, and we did a good job of that. Love this. Love this. This is seriousness. This is intensity. This is professionalism. This is respect for an opponent in the final. Everything this guy did in these two games was absolutely uh, perfect. There's a lot of good, interesting things to talk about tonight observed from these games and, and the appointment again of Greg Berhalter as a U.S. manager. And You know, if you're out there, 512-447-3776, there's a lot of pushback on Berhalter. Tell me why. Um, you don't like Greg Burhalter. 713, excuse me, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. If you have a thought on the U.S. winning the Nations League, what it means, the direction of this really talented young national team that now has an additional piece at center forward. And we'll talk about the direction of Gio Reyna. So, Let's start with the Mexico 3-0 win. That was a dominating performance from the U.S. and Christian Pulisic. Pulisic ran loose like a wild stallion running through and around Mexico. Scored twice, 37th, 46th minute. Then Ricardo Pepe uh, got the third. Uh, I think that was a fantastic ball, I believe, by Serginho Dest. Um, lots of good performances in this semifinal. Nobody having an off day. 11-5 to shots in favor of the U.S., they dismantle Mexico, five shots on target. Mexico only had one shot on goal. 46% of the U.S. possession to 54 for Mexico. 34 total fouls, nine yellows, two reds, five corners to three U.S. over Mexico. And like I said, um, the U.S. set-piece game uh, targeting Chris Richards took on an, a, a next level in these two games. Now, to be up 3-0... 
against Mexico and to know that Mexico is utterly frustrated and is going to begin to kick you, you have to know that's coming. So I, from an emotional control standpoint, very disappointed that Sergio Dest and Weston McKinney um, would get sent off in this. Uh, that said, immediately we all go to, okay, there's opportunity for others. Let's test out our depth in the final against Canada, who everybody's been raving about because, you know, they won qualifying for the World Cup. This whole Kings of CONCACAF thing, I, I mean, I think if you got to the second round or, or into the knockout stage of the World Cup, I think that determines who's the King of CONCACAF. I'm not sure these games do. And what's the Gold Cup now? Is that resigned to a second-team tournament? Because, yeah, it's a little confusing. Because I used to think, well, uh, Kings of CONCACAF, well, you win the Gold Cup. That, but, okay, now it's Nations, whatever. We'll probably have a third ten- tournament by next summer. Um, not taking anything away from this. The Pulisic performance, again, was noteworthy due to the up-and-down year for Chelsea. And to see that focus, that was a, that was a big highlight for me. Uh, and leadership. Uh, conversely, you had Tim Weah doing it on the other thi- side of the field with an energy from these two guys. And now with a legit number 10, remember in the World Cup, it's the workmanlike midfield of McKinney, Adams, and Musa. But now you have a legit number 10 creator, a guy that can make and play balls that others can't. And with that width and with Bolligan as a center forward now who can stretch an opponent vertically, <laughs> that's a nice-looking recipe right there. We'll get more into that. Richard shined in these two games, just back to him legitimately look so much more dangerous on the set piece. We've remembered that. Uh, so the question, again, going into the, to the final against Canada was the depth. So you had Walker Zimmerman coming in for Miles Robinson, Brendan Aronson for McKinney, Joe Scally for Serginho Dest. And that was a point of contention because you know, Canada's best players on the left side of the field, Alfonso Davies. Bolligan, great qualities in the striker position, which, again, couldn't score goals in the World Cup. Striker position was a big problem. Arsenal, on loan at Rems, scoring a lot of goals in Ligue 1. Can make the runs vertically, can run the channels. The, the run he made for the ball for Reina, you, you see him point to where he wants it, actually gets an arm and kind of uses a defender for leverage. Takes his goal beautifully. Finisher, 20 years old, can come back and combine, so can play in combination, can get turned, and also has the ability to create his own chance. We need strikers that can create their own chance also. Simply can get a ball around a box via the press or whatever, and in a New York minute can create a half yard of space and score a goal for you. We need that. Gio Reyna in the 10. Now, this is, this is interesting because Gio Reyna, right now, we know how talented he is. We, we know what his parents did. Despicable. He now is under the microscope when it comes to being a good teammate and maturing real fast because he, everybody's looking at 
the way he's going to handle himself. He handled himself, uh, I thought, wonderfully in these two games. This is where he's most comfortable for me, in an interior of a midfield. He operates as a supplier in the two games, adds to lots of new spot possibility now for the U.S. midfield, structurally. I mean, now you've got a legit playmaker in there. So, you know, you can drop one of the other three, depending on the opponent. Going up to the World Cup, it was definitely Musa, McKinney, and Adams. So don't compare now to the World Cup. Because there are a lot of other things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. His fitness, his attitude, all that. We saw the, the pissy young kid attitude. I want to see him mature. Um, Dortmund, by the way, wants $20 million for him. And Dortmund is, what I'm hearing uh, from my friends who are journalists in Germany, is that he's injury prone. He went off after 45 last night. Um, we know how gifted he is. That's one of the knocks on him. Is he resilient? But he was challenged by B.J. Callahan, who, by the way, couldn't have done a better job uh, as an interim coach. His stock has risen. He's a Burhalter staff guy. Did a great job. But now your midfield structure can change. Now you have an additional player in there that, from a rotation standpoint, can help. Remember, there was not a lot of rotation in midfield, not enough, and at the outside back position in the World Cup. That hurt us when we went into the knockout stage against the Netherlands. We were fatigued. We were exhausted. We have to learn from that. But he's, Gio Reyna's got to be a perfect teammate now. And he's in the container to show the maturity. It looked like his teammates are all in there giving him a second chance. You'll remember that there was a bust up in practice with Adams and him. And I'm sure it's probably about attitude and it affecting an entire group. And there was a selfish attitude. From the parents and from him. With rain in midfield now, this opens up beautiful possibility. Beautiful possibility. And I love the two games Gio Reyna played. And I hope it continues. All right, we're going to take a break here. As always, the show is brought to you by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com. 512-CALL-NOW, 512-CALL-NOW. Uh, John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, they're bilingual. Uh, they're going to work for you 24-7 nights and weekends. You get in a car, boat, motorcycle accident, anything maritime, you maybe work construction, you need the best in a personal injury attorney, it is daspitlaw.com. 512-CALL-NOW. Get your Soccer Matters t-shirts and hats to benefit pediatric cancer and the 501C Charity Snowdrop Foundation at Lamont Brands. Dot com And don't forget this summer, Manchester United visiting Energy Stadium in the state of Texas in Houston to take on Real Madrid. You can get tickets at lsse.net or Ticketmaster. Let's take a break. Let's come back. We continue. U.S. national team talk. We dip into Mexico as well. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to Soccer Matters. Uh, your humble host, Glenn Davis, here. When you've got intro music with Led Zeppelin in the ocean, uh, you've got a show, Jack. You know that? Oh, absolutely. You've got to keep the classics. Yes, sir. Uh, all right, so we're continuing on here, presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law from DaspitLaw.com, 512-CALL-NOW. They're bilingual. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys in Austin and throughout the state of Texas. Getting in an accident, you need to have someone fighting for your right for compensation. Well, that is John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. Okay, um, note here on Austin FC, the home game against FC Dallas. It is an 8.30 start now, so somebody's really using their minds here in a very good way because of the high temperatures. They're going to start the game at 8.30 Central Time. So next up for Verde, it's uh, home versus FC Dallas, home versus Houston. These will all go towards the Copa Tejas. Um, Personally, I wouldn't be that worried about that. I just want points and results. That's a nice byproduct to those games. They are rivalry matches. Then it's three in a row on the road to Inter-Miami, Minnesota, and Vancouver. Currently now, now I know everybody wants, uh, you know, hashtag Josh Wolf out. Um, last year was never going to be repeated. That was a magical year. Uh, the bar was set incredibly high. But there's a combination of things through injury, uh, through tactics, through player performance, through the loss of someone like Ruben Gabrielson, who is... You know, for me, was the Virgil van Dyke of Major League Soccer in Austin. Fantastic player. Um, and so instrumental. So there's been a lot going on. 18 goals for, 27 against. That's some of the lower numbers in the West. It's a nine, negative nine goal differential. 12th place currently out of a playoff spot. 5-8-4. and 3-3-3 three, three, and three at home. That's a lot of points you're leaving on the table. 12 points you left on the table at home. By the way, and with a 5-8-4 and four record, and as doomsday as it seems to Austin fans, here's the forgiving nature of Major League Soccer. You're still only two points out of a playoff spot. That's how it works. So should you really get that upset? I think healthy pressure is great. There's not a lot of consequence early. And I don't care what coaches say that, oh, we put pressure on ourselves. You're always in it until two weeks left in the season. Uh, The two teams at the bottom of the West Colorado and L.A., I think they're seven points or eight or nine out. That's a lot to make up. But how much healthy pressure is there really? 512-447-3776 if you want to talk about Austin FC. 512-447-3776. Six is the number to call, and that's 3776. It's 512-447-ESPN. And uh, I'll give a pair of tickets away to the Gold Cup here coming up. 
All right, so those are the numbers on LAFC. And then you got FC Dallas, fifth in the West, 7-6-5, 26 points, 21 goals for, 19 goals against. Nico Estevez, Pat Onstad in Houston, Josh Wolf. You know where I'm going with this, right? These are all people and, and coaches and staff members on the coaching tree of Greg Berhalter of the U.S. national team. All three teams in Texas. It's pretty interesting. All right, 713, excuse me, 512-447-3776. Okay, we're going to have Victor Arizon in a minute from the striker because we want to get in to the Mexico turmoil. And, and Mexico is in a real struggle right now. I don't think there's any question. Player development-wise in their country, they're struggling. Um, they're in turmoil. Today we heard Diego Coco was fired. Um, apparently their players saying they don't want to come back with the national team. There's a federation power struggle. Um, everybody knows in this region of the country, Mexico is the cash cow. CONCACAF without Mexico and these tournaments, just... Consider that for a second from the standpoint of, you know, the value, the money, the jerseys, the ticket sales, parking, beer sales. If you're looking at it from a business standpoint, you sure want a healthy Mexico. And there's a lot of things going on with the Mexican national team right now. Diego Coca has been fired. Jaime Lozano, who once interviewed for the Houston job, before the Dynamo gave it to Paulo Nagabora, uh, is going to take over on an interim basis. So it's a good time, perfect time, to bring in a good friend of mine, also excellent journalist with the striker. He is Victor Ariza. He joins us now. Victor, how are you? Hey, Glenn. Uh, all good. Obviously, uh, a bit more parity right here in CONCACAF, but uh, we'll see if that starts to change. All right, so give it, give give us your latest on Mexico and some of the things going on. I, th I think everybody knows Diego Coco was fired, but anything else you want to add to all of that right now from your perspective? Well, obviously, uh, you know, Lozano was one of the choices, right, especially public choices uh, to take off the Mexico job after uh, Martino was, you know that era was gonna was gonna culminate after the World Cup. Uh, he didn't get the job uh, a couple months ago when they decided to give it to Coca. I think part of it was, um, you know, according to reports that Lozano didn't want to take it on on an interim basis, uh, and and now he is here, right, taking it ahead of the Gold Cup. Uh, obviously, there's you know some circumstances which might have changed, but the biggest thing is obviously. Um, you know, the unhappiness uh, around Mexican soccer, around the national team. Uh, part of it is, uh, you know, the lack of selection with the players. Uh, you know, they don't have the riches, right, that they maybe used to have and in, in some other better players uh, being abroad, right, uh, with, you know, Chicharito when he was in, you know, like a Manchester United, Real Madrid. Hector Herrera recently came to the MLS, right, from Europe. Uh, you know, the Gio Dos Santos, the Carlos Velas, they're long and gone, and there's not... You know, Lozano, Chucky Lozano is injured uh, right now, so Raul Jimenez isn't the player he used to be. So part of it is that. Part of it is there isn't this new wave of players, right? Um, and and it's all culminating here, into, and we'll see if Lozano can steer the ship a little bit. Victor Ariza, the striker. Okay, 
Um, I have my opinions on why there's no new wave of players. What's your opinion on it? I think there, I actually think there kind of is, but they're just not being exported, right, like they used to. And, and that is one of the biggest conversations right now also in Mexican soccer is, um, you know, do, do, do teams sacrifice, right, you know, uh, financially to send some of these players for the better of the national team uh, instead of, for example, uh, Kevin Alvarez right now, talented right back of Pachuca, just went from Pachuca to Club America for, I think, reported around $12 million transfer fee, right? Um, should Pachuca have accepted less, right, uh, and maybe sold him off to a team in Europe, uh, taking less money, right, for the, for him to get that opportunity over there? Luis Chavez, right, they've been trying, or he's been trying to make the move to Europe. Pachuca has been, has kind of lowered the price a little bit from what he used to be, um, and that's sort of in the works. But, you know, that's kind of the the... The conundrum right now, right? Um, Mariso Saiz is another one, right? Left back, also Pachuca, but just went uh, inter, you know, intra-league, right? From Pachuca to Toluca. So, you know, these players are staying uh, domestically, arguably for more money. Everybody has their own personal choices. But, but you know, what people want to see is more players exported, just like the U.S., just like Canada has players in Europe. They want to see Mexico uh, develop that talent as well. And, and that's that's... Maybe one of the biggest issues, too. Okay, so I'm going to take you back, Victor, to a time period I, I think you'll remember, and U.S. fans will remember, when Jurgen Klinsmann got the job as the men's national team coach. He made a huge push against a lot of people, including MLS, who said, no, we got to keep our best players here. Of course, that was a silly thing to even consider, and it shows you how little people with that pushback at an MLS uh, had when it came to the understanding of player development. And, yeah. and Klinsman wasn't trying to move every player. Same argument, too. So, so Klinsman went up and butted heads with, with Don Garber for quite a time period. If you go back and you think about that, that's one of the greatest gifts Jurgen Klinsman gave to U.S. soccer during his tenure for all the criticism he had from a lot of people is that right. he pushed the American player to get overseas. And now you see the benefits being reaped here by this young squad uh, that is very together, that has a World Cup behind him, has the next one in their country. And I think Mexico and Mexican fans see a U.S. national team that's, you know, an average age of 23 or 24, and they're just seeing us surpass them right now. Right, and... You know, until maybe some of that starts to change. I mean, I, I mean that that's part of it too. Just you know, again, the level of the domestic league isn't doing maybe its part. Uh, you know, we've talked about the foreign players getting maybe more playing opportunity. Um, you know, so on and so forth. And then uh, you know, the manager, right? Uh, with the ones you do have over there, for example, Johan Vasquez, Cesar Montes, who are part of this squad right now. Um, there was rumors that they wanted to sort of take off uh, after this Nations League and, and just go back to Europe and work with, with their clubs uh, and not stay through for the Gold Cup since Mexico submitted the same roster for both competitions. Um, but, but, yeah, like you mentioned at the beginning, too, I mean, the biggest thing, too, is the power struggle between between the powers that be, right? Uh, yeah. Coca was supposed to be, uh, you know, kind of a the hand of uh, Idaragori, the Santos uh, Atlas coach. Uh, and now he's the one sort of running the show. But, you know, now we see, you know, Coca's no longer there. Uh, Rodrigo Ares de Parga, who was, the, you know, the 
director of national teams also gone. Uh, he was another uh, Iraragori guy, from, from according to, to all these reports. And the guy that made the announcement, right, uh, the new president, uh, the, the former Univision Deportes president, uh, Juan Carlos Rodriguez, was the one that made the announcement. And, and like you said, you know, for example, a month ago when there was this owners meeting the, in Toluca at the corporate headquarters of the national team, um, who does he arrive with? The America uh, uh, owner. Right, um, you know, they arrive in the same car. You know the the, report, the, the TV shows in Mexico. They were like, "Well, he, he couldn't get a newer. He didn't have his own car. He had to ride with the America owner." And it's just you know those are the little things, right? That kind of just give you the. All right, so Victor, the, let me hold you program. off there because we got we got three minutes. I want I, I'm looking at the Mexico lineup against the U.S. Ochoa, Guzman, Montes, Reyes, Sanchez, Antuna, Chavez, Alvarez. Gallardo, Martin, and Pineda. Okay? Now, tell me, what changes would you make if you were the manager? Who who should have been in that starting lineup? I know you're going to probably say Santiago Jimenez first. Yeah, no, I mean, he's the first one that kind of goes in there. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Antuna sits as well. And, and and I think that's the biggest thing, too. When you talk about the power struggle, there, there's always been this thought, maybe not officially, right, but or, or at least theory, that there are certain players that have to be there, right, uh, for commercial reasons. Uh, and, and it's been said in World Cups, and, and that's part of the issues that whether it's Coca, whether it's Martino, whether it's Lozano now, doesn't matter the manager. There are these commercial reasons that have to Memo be Memo Ochoa. I mean, people are saying that yeah. about Memo Ochoa. Do you think he's the number right. one goalkeeper in Mexico right now? Should he be the starter? I think so because uh, especially now that he, he just came out from Europe and you don't have maybe a a goalkeeper at that level Acevedo who was you know maybe uh, fans were clamoring for him to be the next guy up uh, didn't have the best season and uh, Cota's not part of this group who you know just won the Champions League with with Leon uh, yeah it seems to be the Ochoa show and again again <laughs> commercial reasons that's always why why Ochoa is is part of the Gold Cups is part of the Nations League. Uh, doesn't mean he's a bad player, but that certainly plays into it. Well, no, he's a talented goalkeeper. Nobody's ever going to say that. Uh, I'm just wondering if there's anybody that you think can really challenge him and make that position better for Mexico, because we all know how important goalkeeping is. No, well, like I've told you, the the guys that have been mentioned, Acevedo from Santos. Uh, yeah, he's uh, the one that everybody goes, goes to. Right, he's got the rock star look with the long hair. Uh, Malagón, who's at Club America, but previously had a great season at Necaxa. Uh, I think he's around 24-ish. He's, he's one to kind of look to. Uh, I still say, you know, if you're looking for experience and, and the, someone who's dependable, uh, Rodolfo Cota, who again, uh, Club León, uh, you know, but he's sort of a little bit higher up in age, um, but hasn't gotten the chance. I would say maybe, maybe. <laughs> Doesn't have that commercial look, right? But, um, yep. yeah, I mean. All right, Victor, we're, we're up on a hard break. Great stuff from you. We could go on forever with you. Next time we'll get you on for a full segment. Great stuff. Thank you for that update on the Mexican national team. Uh, CONCACAF is always fun, right, Victor? Yeah. Uh, we, we won't <laughs> have lack of uh, topics. We won't have lack that's, of topics. Yeah. That's for sure. All right. Victor Ariza, the striker. Victor, thank you very much. We're going to hit a break here. It's all brought to you by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com. 512-CALL-NOW, 512-CALL-NOW. This is uh, hurting behind the pine curtain. 
uh, my newfound friend, Jesse Dayton, who is a Texas music legend on tour uh, with Samantha Fish. Welcome back to Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas, as always presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLaw.com, 512-CALL-NOW. They are bilingual. Car, boat, motorcycle accident. You need the best in personal injury attorneys. It is John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm getting soccer on the airwaves here in Austin. Uh, big day of European Championship qualifying. The Ukraine, a 1-0 uh, winner here today over Malta. Finland, 6-0. Victory for them. Uh, let's see here. We're just looking at some of the ones that might have been uh, Sylvania, 1-1 with Denmark. Uh, you had Switzerland with a 2-0 lead over Romania and then concede late uh, in a 2-2 draw. Turkey, 2-0 over Wales. France, a 1-0 victory over Greece. Mbappe with the goal there. England, a 7-0 victory over Macedonia with, I believe it was Bukayo Saka with three in that one. Um all right, so we welcome you back. Uh, next guest, um, had the good pleasure of calling some NWSL games together. She played her college soccer at Mississippi State. You see her on broadcast for San Antonio FC and the NWSL and on. She is Katie Goodman. She joins us now. Katie. Hey, how's it going? Good to have <laughs> you on, Katie. You know, you and me have now done two NWSL games. We did two Houston Dash games, and you know, I learned about you and the fact that you played college soccer um, at Mississippi State. Just just tell me a little bit about that experience and how you've seen the college game change maybe in your eyes. Oh, it, it was an, a fantastic experience. I couldn't have asked for a better experience. I think it's the one spot where I was challenged to the point of where I had to really step up the soccer IQ. I think prior to that, I could just out physical people. You know, I was strong and fast and uh, I, I could make up with errors because I was so fast but then you get to college and everyone's fast everyone's strong so you got to be a little bit smarter so learned a lot there I met Sarah Loudon who is the uh, assistant coach there at Houston Dash and so it's good to see her still in and around the sport and and then I uh, unfortunately had to take a medical release I had back surgery in 2011 um, I did come back and play semi-pro here in San Antonio though in 2021 and we went to the Nationals. We actually uh, had a chance to play against Alyssa Thompson's team, so that was that was a cool moment for me, a full-circle moment, and really what put me on my path as a sports broadcaster now with SAFC and the Dash, as you know, and I also do some radio in San Antonio, too, for ESPN San Antonio. So, yeah, definitely in the right spot, and, and uh, it's just so nice to have a sport that gives back that continues. And, uh, you know, even my sister went to Mississippi state before me, she was first, first, uh, team there at Mississippi state was the captain. And, and so when I talked to her a lot about how the game has grown, it has just, it's almost unrecognizable. I mean, it's a higher speed, higher tempo. Um, I mean, the combinations are beautiful. They're creative. Uh, the IQ is off the charts. Now when I watch women's, uh, our women's team play. There, there's really not a lot of notes that I have for them. Every time I watch, they're they're, they're hard to uh, pick apart sometimes. But um, yeah, no, I think 
things have changed big time. We have social media now. You can market yourself in different ways. We didn't always have that back in the day. You had to write into a coach. You had to hope to God he came and saw you play at a, a tournament or heard about you some other way, right? So uh, lots, lots more opportunities, more segue leagues as well. You've got semi-pro leagues and lower tier professionals starting to build uh, to be an even another another stepping stone to NWSL. So all things that I'm really excited for and all things that are just going to grow the game, you know. Katie Goodman joining us. Uh, all right. So, you know, I can't get you on the show without having you give us a little bit of an update on San Antonio FC. Of course, you were broadcasting a lot of those games in the magical season in the USL Championship last year. So give us a little San Antonio FC update. Yeah, so they're doing good as usual. Currently third in the standings, about to go up against Sacramento Republic, who's sitting at number two, and it's going to be a really good matchup. You can always expect physicality with San Antonio. That's just the kind of gritty team they are. They're always going to win the first and second ball. They're going to try to dictate play early on, and they're going to come out with a high-press vertical mentality, direct mindset. And, you know, if you look at stats, you'll say, well, they had, you know, maybe 40%, 30%. 40% possession, how on earth did they, you know, beat a team 3-0? And it's because their touches are very limited. They get it up the field quick and with creativity. And they've got a lot of guys from MLS, you know. They recently brought in Tani Oluwoshayi. They have Sam Adenarin. They, ha- they just have so many players on this team that, uh, you know, even the bench could go and, and be starters in other sides within USL. So uh, always interesting to watch, no doubt. I think um, – it's going to be a different game. They tied Sacramento Republic at home when I called that last game, but they were missing some key guys like Alois Shea and um, Sam Adinarin, both high-scoring players. Tani, he actually, uh, Tani Alois came in and scored a hat-trick and two assists in his debut. And so if there's anything about San Antonio, they know how to recruit. Every single player they've recruited has scored on their debut or have, has made some sort of really outstanding contribution so uh, they do really great as a coaching staff there, too. She is Katie Goodman. Um, she is joining us here talking about San Antonio FC. She's their color analyst, and she's been the color analyst on Houston Dash games as well in the NWSL. Okay, I did set you up and tell you that we were going to talk about the U.S. Uh, winning of the Nations yeah. League, and let's just start you off by just getting some of your general thoughts on the two games, the 3-0 victory over over Mexico, obviously, was a very dominant performance. And then the final, a 2-0 win over Canada. Yeah, I think they demonstrated a little bit more freedom of play. You could tell they weren't trying to play in a way that was too confined. I think we've seen that before, you know, trying to stick too closely to a system. I felt like there was a little bit more creativity. And, and that could be attributed also to just Gio Reyna being a creative guy, working with Balogun up top, I think I think Balogun is going to be the game changer. He just brings something totally different, you know, European experience. He's played on the English side as well. And so uh, I think those two up top are really the key as we move forward. Now, I will have to say Mexico was not in full form. Canada, I would also say I don't think was in full form. I still even then think that the U.S. men's national team has grown leaps and bounds under Bear Halter. And, of course, with B.J. Callahan was able to do um, this past week has been outstanding and amazing. He put the right people in the right spots, right? Um, and I think he showed Bearhalter what people can do in different spots as well. So uh, it's all something to just take in as they move on into the Gold Cup. 
But I think if they really want to grow, they're going to have to set up some games with stiffer competition. You know, I don't know that Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago are, are going to do it. I think those are going to be great games for them to maybe build some confidence and hopefully continue this momentum. But I'm really looking forward to that Germany game to see what they can bring there and, and how they really actually react under some serious pressure. Yeah, that's always been a, a part of the knock on CONCACAF. But I do think, uh, to your point, I think there, there is an, you know, listen, the, for me, and I don't know what you think, but the silver lining here, and, and it, 48 hours after the U.S. did not qualify for the 2018 World Cup, I said to myself, wow, what a golden opportunity now for all these young guys. And a lot of them are getting opportunity in Europe. They're getting there with bigger clubs. You have a lot of time to accelerate their development. Burhalter even said, you know, I was coaching kids. Um, and, and they've grown, and we've watched them grow. And there is such a esprit de corps amongst these guys that's, that's so attractive, uh, I think, when it comes to everybody pulling in the same direction. My eyes were very much on Gio Reyna. Nobody's ever going to question his talent. What you can question is his attitude. Uh, he brought a bad attitude to a World Cup. There's no question. It affected others. And I think in the two games we watched, uh, we, we saw a young man that certainly is under the microscope in his team behavior now and his application and his energy. He was challenged by the coach, to your point, B.J. Callahan, to do more when the ball was lost. I think he did that. And I, I think it was a very, very good two games for him. And, and, and he can do things, I think, from the vision standpoint, uh, getting out of pressure, all these things, uh, linking up with this new striker and Fowler and Balogun and others, Pulisic and Wea, that others can't do. But I just think it opens great possibility. So my next thing and question to you is, I like the fact that Burhalter isn't coming back for the Gold Cup and that Greg Burhalter can sit from the outside and look at some of the other things that are going on in a very different way. What about you? I'm in total agreement with that. I, I really do like that as well. And that also maybe gives him some time to possibly repair his relationship with Gio. Because here's the thing, Gio, he demonstrated that, yes, he's going to go after every ball. He's going to bring that grit on top of his talent, which is what you need, really, to compete at the world level. Um, but he was also playing under a different coach. So I'm interested to see if any of that changes playing under Bearhalter. But at this point, I think both people have to know that they are mature enough to put that aside for a common goal, right? It has to be water under the bridge. And I just don't see uh, us bringing Bearhalter back without having had some sort of discussion about this issue. So I'm hoping that this can definitely be water under the bridge for them. And, and I want to see what happens uh, with, you know, Bearhalter there not hovering as much, giving them that creative space. There's no need to try to micromanage or tweak every movement here in the Gold Cup. Um, there are two teams, Jamaica, Trinidad, and Tobago, as they mentioned, great opportunities to build confidence, try new things. This is the place and the time to do it. It's a Gold Cup, right? I mean, we, we get a couple of opportunities at these types of matchups as the years go on. So I think uh, I'm in full agreement with you there, Glenn, that you know, give B.J. Callahan a little bit more time, see what he can do, and be an observer. It's different when you're not in the hot seat there in the moment. It's different when you can just take a step back and see what's happening and developing um, in real time and, and then have your notes as you move forward. By the way, the Gold Cup will uh, begin 
June 25th, you got Mexico and Honduras and Panama and Qatar in Houston. Uh, LSSE.net. By the way, uh, fourth caller right now. I'll give you a pair of tickets to the Gold Cup that game in Houston. Uh, again, fourth caller at this number. It is 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. So if you want to make the rundown for the Gold Cup, I'm giving you a pair of tickets right now. Caller number four, Jackal. Grab uh, your, your name, number, email, and uh, contacts. Um, before I let you go, I would just say uh, that uh, I'm in agreement with what you said uh, about the U.S. men's national team. I mean, this will be a very differing roster in the Gold Cup. Yeah, yeah, and I, which is important. It, there needs to be some change and some movement. I think we saw, you know, by losing Weston McKinney and Sergino Death for the Canada game that we have all the depth. And so now is the time to maybe play with a little bit of rotation and movement and just see maybe what the guys can bring on their own. Because a lot of people forget that with these national teams, they're not training together every day like a club is. They come and they leave. Yeah, everything that they were training, everything that they were being taught to do with their club, and they have to turn that off, delete it from the brain, and absorb new information from a new coach and, and play with people that they don't always get a chance to play with. So for everyone, even if it's the same guys from a, the previous game, it's still tough. So, hey, why not now just start mixing things up? By the way, that depth proved out beautifully. Joe Scally did a fair job uh, on the right side at right back for Serginho Dest. Uh, Walker Zimmerman stepped in nicely for Miles Robinson, and Brendan Aronson uh, stepped in wonderfully for Weston McKinney. So, you know, one of the key points for me going into that game was, okay, let's see what the depth does. Let's see what type of performances three these three guys have. Aronson did a great job of of helping double up and 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 put the pressure on Alfonso Davies of Canada, and that meant Eunice Musa also, you know, had a bit of a differing role and a more defensive role, and I thought he was excellent as well. Agreed, and I love Scally in the outside back there. I think that was one of his first appearances, being able to play in his natural, normal role, and I think that's probably a part of the reason why we just saw him excel there. Zimmerman almost had quite a banger of a goal. I mean, off a of volley on his weak side foot as well, and so just coming in hot. I've always been a fan of Zimmerman there as a center back. I think he has that strong presence that U.S. needs, but... Yeah, it's all very positive moving forward, no matter how you swing it, right? I think what we saw in these last couple of games, even if Mexico and Canada weren't quite at their best, I think the combinations were more creative. We were faster. Uh, we felt I feel like there was an energy, a synergy, and a vibe that isn't always there. Um, you know, and, and the cool thing about the men's team is, they're scrappy guys. They can. They're not going to be affected if there's a ton of fouls, like in a Mexico in the game against Mexico. They'll keep going. They'll keep playing. They pick yeah. up and move on. That's not always Katie. the case with European teams. Yep, Katie. We got to wrap it up. I'm hearing the closing music. Thank you so much for coming on. She's Katie Goodman, San Antonio FC. She's been calling Houston Dash games until the next game we do together. Looking forward to that one, Katie. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. All right, that's Katie Goodman. Good stuff there from her to end the night here. Uh, again, we remind you, get the podcast of this show at Spotify, Apple, Google Play. Subscribe. Uh, we will be on the air in Houston with Soccer Matters on Thursday night. That'll be very uh, a different show heading into the weekend. There'll be some Austin FC talk on that show as well. Uh, for Jack Farrell, 
Our producer, I'm Glenn Davis. Remember, soccer matters until next week.